All righty, everybody, welcome in and welcome back after a little bit longer of a break than we normally have in between each episode. There was no Ryan's Ramble last week. Uh, I was home for Thanksgiving. Life kind of just got in the way. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get an episode recorded. But nonetheless, the show goes on. We're still here. We're still back. Still technically riding a winning streak. But anyways, if you don't know what exactly this show is, this is, well, Ryan's Ramble, your one-stop shop here at Frogs of War for all your sports betting needs. I, of course, am Ryan Bunnell. I'm your host throughout the series. I'm one of the associate editors over at Frogs of War and one of the resident sports bettors there. I know uh, Anthony also makes some picks as well. From time to time but alas you're here for the show you're probably here to get some picks talk about some of the conference championship games that are coming up this weekend which are going to be absolutely electric i can't wait but i'm actually nervous for these picks it, th- these lines are tough the odds makers did a good good job this week of setting the lines um but in terms of tcu football i always like to dabble on tcu of course i mean we're on frogs of war you got to it's done we're done for the year it's over I kind of want to say, thank God, Uh, it it just, I was ready for it to be over. It was, everybody thought that this was the year I was, I was all in on this year being the year. I remember just telling my friends before the season started, like everybody was talking bad, like, oh, we can't even make a bowl game, yada, yada. I'm like, no guys, listen, this year we're going to the big 12 title. We're going to the big 12 championship game. I was, I was stoked and I was dead wrong. um, Like many other TCU fans, but it is what it is. Um, I'm sad we were only one game away from a bowl game. That would have been kind of at least a consolation prize to a, a down year. But it's time for a new era. And I think everybody's kind of come to that agreement now. Everybody seems to be on board that it's time for a new era. I personally, I have heard some controversy, which I'm surprised about. But I personally am excited for the Sunny Dykes era. I think Sunny Dykes was a great hire. Not only just for Sonny Dykes, but because of everything else he will bring to TCU. He's already bringing in a kick-ass coaching staff alongside him. I mean, Rashad Samples, like he, he, there's great recruiters coming in. Uh, a lot to be excited about in Fort Worth right now. And also, there's transfer rumors, too. I know a lot of people are scared because Zach Evans entered his name in the transfer portal, which, I mean, I've kind of been saying he's gone. Like We knew he was going to be gone. But for some reason now, I have hope again. Uh, because of Rashad Samples, because of these new recruiting minds, I have a feeling they might convince Zach to stay. I don't know why. I, I know he could probably go make Buku bucks at, in the SEC on in an NIL deal. But Sonny Dykes, new marketing, new regime, maybe a new look, maybe a new identity. Maybe he could get a big NIL brand deal. Who knows? And I'm sure that's probably a big influence as well. And also, I, I, I know Sonny would want to stick him on the field too, which – that's a conversation for another day. Just let the boy play. But anyway, back to the transfer players. There, other than Zach Evans, too, there are some transfer rumors going around the Twitter sphere right now. The TCU could sign Marvin Mims, the Oklahoma receiver and future NFL draft pick. I mean, the kid's a stud. So if we could keep Zach Evans and somehow land Marvin Mims, I'm relying on Chandler Morris, former roommates, according to Morris's tweet the other day. So I'm relying on that connection. I need I need him to recruit Mims over here into Fort Worth. But man, my goodness, I guess we haven't really talked in a couple of weeks. There's just been it's been chaos with the coaching scenario. I mean, Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly, everybody's leaving everywhere. I don't even know what's happening right now. I mean, Lincoln Riley literally dropped a nuke on Oklahoma and then left, which I'm totally okay with. It's kind of 
I don't know. Of course, it's whenever they're leaving the Big 12, though, so we're not going to get to see the ramifications because OU might actually have somewhat of a down year next year. I guess next year we'll get to see it. They might actually have somewhat of a down year. Everybody's transferring. They've lost so many recruits. They've lost a lot of coaching staff, and they don't have much time to find good replacements because everybody else has already been hired. They're kind of scrambling right now, and it's fun to watch. I'm all for it, but the thing is, they're Oklahoma. Eventually, they're gonna eventually they're gonna find their way. Bob Stoops, interim coach. You heard it here first. Bob Stoops is gonna be the next Oklahoma coach. I got a feeling this is just their their way of sneaking it back in there. <laughs> but aside from that, there, there's we could talk about coaching on and on and on. But we're not here to talk about coaches. We're here to talk about sports betting, make some picks, but. Before we do that, I always like to start our episodes with a what we learned last week. We didn't have a card last week, but I still, of course, watched all the games. What would a Saturday be without college football? And we're nearing the end, which is so sad. This is like actually, I guess, technically, yeah, this is like the last full Saturday. Ah, That's a bummer. All right. Well, anyway, what we learned last week, first up, is Nebraska could literally play the 1972 undefeated Miami Dolphins. I know that's kind of a random team, but I just went with one of the greatest teams of all time. They could play the 1972 Miami Dolphins and still find a way to lose by one possession. They went three and nine this year, and all nine losses came by nine points or less, which is it's just truly incredible, honestly. It's it's impressive. They they were big games too. I mean, they played Ohio State, they played Michigan State, Michigan, and they played a lot of good teams. Still. Lost all of them by nine or less. Wisconsin, too. That was the most recent. Scott Frost still has his job somehow. Um, they seem interested in keeping him on board again somehow. Um, he's got to find a way to start winning at least half of these 50-50 games. I mean, he's in a ton of 50-50 games, and Nebraska is always on the losing end. It's, it's crazy. But Nebraska, if you're anything like me, you bet on Nebraska a lot this year, and they made you a pretty penny because they covered a lot. I think they went like 9-3 and three against the spread the exact opposite of their uh, straight up record. But next year, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen because I, I just feel like this team is still not, I don't know. They, I really don't feel like they're going to get over that hump, you know, of winning those 50-50 games, especially now because their quarterback Martinez, Adrian Martinez is transferring. And he was kind of the only, the only highlight of that, that offense. He was the only one that got them going really. So who knows? They might be down in the dumps again next year. Might be seeing another big head coach going in to Lincoln next offseason because that would be a hell of a project to turn around and bring back to the glory days because i i honestly it's been so long since i remember nebraska even having i don't know like i mean they've probably made a bowl game here and there but in like a, a 10 win season when i don't know when the last time was but it feels like it's been a century next up we learned that clemson may not be as truly horrible as the media and myself i will I, i'm guilty and myself have made them out to be this season. Um, they finished nine and three, which although they did have a really ugly start and some really ugly offensive stats, nine and three is nine and three in a power five conference. They still finished in the top 25. And also don't forget, they're still Clemson. They're still going to be getting really good recruits. They still have a really good coaching staff. I would not be surprised if they are they're back in the in the playoff race next year, especially with just some slight personnel changes. You gotta I think you gotta get rid of DJ Uwagalele, the the quarterback. You gotta get rid of him. He had Heisman expectations and then he played like that. It it was really bad. Um but yeah their only three losses too on the record were Georgia, 
NC State and Pitt, who were all ranked at the time of playing. And all three are actually, I mean, NC State's decent. Pitt's a good team. George is a really, really good team. And they also only lost to them by seven, which I know that kind of, you got to take it with a grain of salt because it's week one. And a lot, a lot has changed since week one. But I think Clemson, they'll find their way. Uh, maybe we, maybe I dogged on them a little bit too much this year, but they'll be back. They'll be back next year. And then next up, we learned this one kind of applies to uh, our sports bets. Is just Vegas knows everything. Um, this is also a little bit just personal. I am I am sick and tired of losing my bets by half a point, one point, one and a half points. It's like what what do these odds makers know that I don't? I, you know what I mean? I just I feel like I'm finding good value. I'm finding a good edge. And then with like 30 seconds left in the game, I just get screwed. You know, every time it's mostly happening with college basketball, but still in college football last week, I know I didn't have a public card with Ryan's ramble and everything, but I still made a few picks myself. And I had in the civil war, I had Oregon state plus eight and a half. So if you watch that game, Oregon ended up winning 38, 29, a nine point margin of victory which means they cover the spread by half a point and my bet lost by half a point. And also during that game, I think it was the second quarter, the Beavers decided to go for a random two point conversion out of nowhere when they were down by like two possessions. It, it genuinely made no sense. It had it did not help them in any facet if they were to get it, but they, they still went for it. And guess what? They didn't get it. If they had just kicked that extra point, I would have hit my bet by half a point. It would have been the opposite, which that's okay. I love hitting by half a point. When you lose by half a point, different story. It, it's one of the most frustrating experiences. But the reason this is something to uh, take into account for this week's card and whatnot is I'm going to be eyeing each and every half point on these spreads and totals like a hawk. Like a hawk, okay? This is, this is serious now. I'm tired of this. Vegas has been toying with me these past couple of weeks. Next up, what we learned is uh, that Notre Dame is not capable of winning a national championship, according to their former head coach, Brian Kelly. So kind of back to the coaching stuff. Kelly left. He's at LSU right now. That was kind of big news. Um, And he was also quoted saying that he left and went to LSU because he wanted to win national championships there, implying that he couldn't win them in his decade at Notre Dame, which is almost like kind of ironic because it's almost as if he just didn't take them to the playoff and in a few major bowl games in the past which he has he just got blown out every single time um maybe you know also maybe if notre dame wasn't so damn stubborn about joining a conference their path to the natty would be a lot easier of course they got to go through the big dogs in the playoffs which they just i'm a big notre dame hater you guys know this they're just not gonna do it even with kelly whoever's on board they got freeman now i think that was a good hire but I, I still, I just don't don't believe in the Fighting Irish. Um, but part of me really hopes with this whole scenario that Notre Dame goes on to make the playoffs somehow. Just somehow they make the playoffs, even though I hate Notre Dame. Would hate to see that. But just in spite of Brian Kelly for saying that, that would be hilarious. If they actually like won the national championship, Brian Kelly shouldn't get a ring if that happens. I, I think Notre Dame should withhold his ring and be like, nope, that's your fault. You chose the left. Screw you, pal but the main takeaway from this in terms of sports betting is I will still never bet on Notre Dame. That is, that is my main takeaway in terms, especially in big time games, because we all know, we all know how the fighting Irish show up in their bowl games and playoff games. 
All right, and then last but not least, there is no such thing as loyalty in college football. This goes along with the theme of the coaches in this segment. Lincoln Riley is the one I want to focus on this time. But, man, what what a turn of events, right? There's been so many big names, Luke Fickle, James Franklin, a lot of guys thrown in the coaching room, or even Urban Meyer, hell. But Lincoln Riley was never one of those guys. Um, he has four Big 12 titles, three playoff appearances with Oklahoma, um, either two – I think – no, he coached all three Heisman. I think he coached Kyler, Jalen – I believe he coached the end of Baker. I could be wrong. But multiple Heisman winners. He's achieved almost everything at Oklahoma, which I guess that would be a reason to leave because he's achieved everything he could. But now they're about to go to the SEC. So at first, I had a big shift over this whole Lincoln Riley situation. So at first, my thought process was, wow, Lincoln Riley is scared to coach in the SEC. He wants out. He's, he's leaving. He can't handle it. He doesn't want it. doesn't want to risk tarnishing his legacy. But the more I thought about it, and also I was I was kind of like, why the hell would you leave? You have one of the best jobs in college football. Oklahoma is is a top 10 coaching job in college football. They're one of the best programs, hands down. You can't really argue with that. So I was like, why would you leave that, you know? I mean, USC is probably a top five job in college football, though. That's the thing. And the more I thought about it, though, I was like, all right, looking at his contract, dude's getting paid 110. He signed a $110 million deal. Um, they also bought his house in Norman for a $500,000 additional, like over the, the asking price. Also, they bought him a $6 million mansion in Southern California, and they're also giving him full access to a private jet. So I was thinking if I'm a head coach, you know, and I've, I'm, I'm getting paid buku bucks already, no matter where I am, do I want to live in Norman, right? And coach you know, a team that I've already accomplished everything with, except for now I'm going to have to go against Alabama. And, you know, I mean, I would be scared to go against Alabama if I was a coach. I wouldn't want to do that. But, and then, or would you rather live in Southern California, right by the beach, having everything just luxurious lifestyle? It would just, I feel like personally, that it is so much better for him and his family. So I really understand it from that. And also from a coaching standpoint, that allows him now, if he goes to USC and he revives them into the once great program that used to be, he's he's a legend. He's an even bigger legend in college football coaching than he ever would have been at Oklahoma, which he has the opportunity to do. Do I think he can do it? And no, uh, similar to similar. Lincoln Riley's a great coach. Don't get me wrong, but very similar to Notre Dame. I just I just hate USC. I just don't. I'd never buy it. They're overrated every year. I don't think they have what it takes. Prove me wrong, Lincoln. Uh, prove me wrong. But, oh, but I, I kind of got off topic, I guess, just talking about the coaches. But in terms of what we should take away from that and why this is on the What We Learned segment is I learned to fade the Trojans this week. Lincoln Riley is being thrown into the fire, and they still have a game this week. They're the only non-conference championship game this week. USC plays Cal, which I have a pick. And uh, we'll go ahead and get into this week's picks. So, Again, last week, I, I'm not going to talk about my picks on last episode because it was it was a couple weeks back. So kind of just a while back, uh, too little, too late. So we went six and four, though, on that card two weeks ago, which not amazing, not spectacular, but a win is a win. We'll take a winning record as always. And that extends our winning streak. It has now been 10 Ryan's Ramble episodes without a losing record. So 
The six and four clip last week brings us to 83, 61, and two pushes on the year. So we're hitting at a 57.6 win percentage. And the streak is still alive, baby. We're still going. This will be technically week 11 if we finish with a winning record, which I'm not super confident. I'm I'm really, really not super confident on the board. Like I said in the beginning, the odds makers did a hell of a job of setting setting the lines for this week. But we're going to do our best, all right? We're going to do our best. I think I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, so I got seven picks. So I'm either going to lose or win. We can't break even. I will say I'm very nervous. I, I am very nervous. Um, all righty. We'll start with tier three. We're going to do the same tier system. Tier three is my lowest level confidence, and the tier one is my most confident. So first up on tier three, we got Cal. I'm taking Cal. Yes, Cal first half spread. This is key. First half, Cal minus two and a half versus USC at home. So this is not a conference championship game. I know it's championship week, but I still wanted to dabble and get a little play on this line. And this is purely because of the Lincoln Riley situation, like what I was just talking about a second ago. He's being thrown into the fire, and USC is abysmal right now. They've had an abysmal season in terms of their standards. Uh, four and seven overall right now, and also against the spread. They're four and seven against the spread, too. One and four against the spread in their last five, I might add. And Cal, on the other hand, is six and five against the spread. Nothing crazy, but I mean, they're positive. So that's something to look at. And Cal, USC has just been down. They've had a, a down, down year again, yet again. They've had multiple down years recently. But Cal has been such a weird team to pin this year. Because, you know, they played us close, which I guess isn't really saying much looking at how our season turned out. But they lost to Arizona a few weeks ago. And Arizona's really bad. I mean, they're like really, really bad. And they lost Arizona 10-3. to And then they followed it up by beating Stanford by 30 points. And I know Stanford isn't that great this year. But a 30-point conference win, they're only favored by two and a half, too. That's a big win. That, that is a big win. So I, it's hard to know what to think. And they're also coming off a ma- like a huge loss to UCLA last week. I think it was like 30 points, which USC also lost to USC or UCLA by like 30 points. So um, USC last week, they're coming off a close, close game against BYU. I think it was 35-31. They covered the spread, but they didn't get a win. They were trying to keep their bowl game hopes alive with that one. Couldn't get it done. And for that reason, I think it's going to put a damper on the mental aspects, going to put a damper on their mood because they can't make a bowl game anymore. They don't have anything to play for. Cal has sucked all year. They kind of they kind of knew they weren't going to make a bowl game, I feel like. So they're just going to go out and play for their home crowd, let the seniors go out in the senior game uh, with a bang. So I, I'm really – I don't trust the full game spread because Cal is four-and-a-half-point favorites. This is probably going to end as a close game. So I'm going to the first half. I think they can have at least a field goal lead going into the locker room. All right, next up on tier three is Iowa at Michigan under 43 and a half. Like I said, these lines are really, really, really tough. This is probably one of the hardest ones, but I wanted to make a play here. Iowa's defense has been slipping up the past few weeks. I mean, they gave up 22 points to Illinois, for goodness sakes. Um, But they're still, still one of the best defenses in the country. Let's not get it twisted. And this is a matchup, simply put, of a top-tier defense against a run-first offense. What does that equal? A lot of chewed clock, a lot of punts, 
not many points. So it's a good recipe for the under. And also Michigan is coming off of a huge 42 to 27 point win against Ohio State in the game, which was just electric. I loved watching that game. It was amazing. Uh, I've actually, I called that too. I called the Michigan upset, but that was like months and months ago. I need to go find the the clip. It was like in September when I said Michigan was going to beat Ohio State this year. I don't know if I'll be able to find the like 30 second snippet that I said that in with like all the content I have out there. But it might be worth it just for bragging rights. I don't know. But anyway, back to – I got off topic again. But Michigan's coming off that big high-scoring game. Uh, Vegas is basically daring us to take the over here, especially because this is such a low point total, only 43.5, pretty low. Also, historically, I was reading that that the Big Ten – or no, just in conference championship games in general since 2000, over-unders that are set under 45 points, the over has hit eight out of nine times. But hey, there was that one time. There was that one time. This is this is going to be another one of those one times. I think this is just going to be slow paced. Michigan's going to run the ball. Iowa's offense. I mean, we know Iowa's offense. Iowa's offense can't do anything. So uh, give me the under of 43 and a half. <clears throat> Next up to round out tier three, I'm going to be taking Alabama against Georgia. And the spread on this one is Bama plus six and a half, but I'm actually going to be buying half a point. You know me. It's all about those half points, okay? All about the half points. I'm going to be buying half a point for plus seven as a spread with a little bit juicier odds, probably going to be like minus 120, minus 130, depending on your book. But how often do you get Alabama as an underdog, especially as a touchdown underdog? You like you kind of have to take it. I don't think in my entire career as a sports better have I seen Alabama as an underdog by more than a field goal. So I know Georgia's number one. I I agree that they are the better team, and I agree that they are going to win. But the fact of the matter is that this this is Alabama. This is Alabama. I could go on and on about stats, semantics for this game, this matchup, but this is Alabama. They show up when they need to. You wipe away. Be have the memory of a goldfish. Ted Lasso quote. Whenever thinking about that Auburn game, it's a rivalry game. Shit happens. There's been crazier Iron Bowls in the past. They got out with the win, and that's what they should take away from it. They got out with the win. But I, it's just they, they show up in big games. I, I just that, That's really what I'm trying to say here. Um, this bet, by taking Bama spread, is really more of a bet on Nick Saban as a coach than it is on Bama as a team itself, or really a bet on Nick Saban to outcoach Kirby Smart. He's he's been here. He's been done this a million times. Kirby Smart, he's been there, but just not as much. And he also doesn't have nearly as much success. I I just think Georgia historically has also choked from time to time in in big must win situations. For the sake of Cincinnati in the playoffs, I want Georgia to win this game. But I think Bama can definitely keep this close. They can definitely keep this close. All right, and that is going. Oh, actually, I forgot a couple, a couple little stats. Um, Bama is uh, currently Georgia. Actually, excuse me, Georgia is getting seventy four percent of the public money. Uh, and if you know Ryan's Ramble, you know I like to fade the public a lot. Vegas always wins, and when Vegas wins, fading the public, we win. So I'm fading the public here, but yeah, I think I think this is going to be either the best championship game of the slate, like just. So close, down to the wire, all-time classic. 
or Georgia's going to come out and win by like 30 points and just showcase that they're one of the best college football teams in the history of college football. They're, they're, I really don't see it going in between. It's it's one or the other. It's either going to be the game of the year or Georgia is going to come out and just, I don't know, pull it out their pants, you know. Anyway, tier two, on to tier two. We're going to stick with the same game, actually. I'm going with uh, Georgia and Bama. I'm going to be taking the under of 49 and a half. Again, this is not a very high total. I think it's going to be cutting it really, really close. Um, I personally have the score prediction as Georgia 24, Alabama 20. That way, the under hits, Alabama covers, and it's a classic game. I could really see all of those. I, I think that's a, about where the score will be in that area, 24 to 20. Famous last words, right? You never you never really know. But And also, from a sharp perspective, I am a sucker for reverse line movement. And this total has it. I wish, I kind of wish I was able to do a card last week and make a pick on the Michigan game because I took Michigan to cover the spread against Ohio State, which my main reasoning was because 80% of the public was betting on Ohio State. And normally when the public is super favoring one side, odds makers will adjust it in order to get the public to go the other way, to kind of balance it and make it 50-50. Because when it's 50-50, the house always wins. So for example, 80% of bets were on Ohio State. And instead of the line moving from minus eight and a half to minus nine or minus nine and a half to like encourage people to take the other side, it kept going in favor of Michigan. It went from minus for from plus eight and a half to plus eight to plus seven and a half. And that's where I got in at. But so it, it, that's reverse line movement if you're unfamiliar with that term. And that, that is also exactly what we have here. So 53% of the public, a slight majority, but also 73% of the money is on the over to hit. But odds makers have still shifted this line from 50.5 down to 49.5 since the line opened, which is reverse line movement. It's a big indication of sharp action. The professional bettors are taking the under. And sharps don't always hit. But when they do and you don't take it, you feel like a dingus. And I don't want to feel like a dingus. So I feel like I kind of have to take it. Um, and also, one thing, too, if Auburn's defense can shut down Bama's offense, so can Georgia's. So they might not put up too many points. And also, at the same time, like I was saying before, Bama shows up in big games. And I don't trust Georgia's offense, really. And I haven't trusted Georgia's offense unless they're playing a, a crappy team like Georgia Tech. But I think Bama will be able to make some stops as well. I have it as it's going to be a sweat. This is going to be a sweat of a bet, but give me Georgia and Bama under 49 and a half. All right. Next up on my tier two, I'm going Wake Forest plus three and a half versus Pitt. Personally, I believe the wrong team is favored here. I really considered buying half a point to plus four, but. We're going to roll with it. We're going to roll with plus three and a half. I know those half points matters, but Wake Forest got it. I believe the wrong team is favored here. Um, Kenny Pickett has the slight edge over Wake Forest's uh, Sam Hartman, in my opinion, as a quarterback, just barely. It's close. They're both really good. But as a team, Wake Forest has the edge in my books. I think they're a more well-rounded overall team. Uh, last time, the market, it, mostly offensively, defensively, that's a whole nother conversation, but we're, we're, we're talking offense here. Wake Forest is a little bit better. 
Um, last time the market doubted the Demon Deacons was literally a week ago. They played Boston College on the road. They were only six and a half point favorites, mostly because they were coming off that huge 21 point loss to Clemson. But Wake Forest ended up winning that game by 31 and covering the spread with ease. So don't let that Clemson loss scare you too much. Wake Forest is still a really, really good team. Um, and also Wake Forest, they have the same record too. Both teams are 10-2 and two here for the ACC Championship. Wake Forest losses, though, make more sense. They lost to Clemson and UNC, which are the two teams that were projected to finish first and second in the conference this year. So that kind of makes sense. But Pitt, on the other hand, lost to Western Kentucky and Miami, of all teams, who had a terrible, terrible year. Western Kentucky actually is playing right now. I got the, uh, the UTSA and Kentucky game on right now. But anyway, it, it makes me wonder how those two losses really makes me wonder how Pitt will handle the big game and the big game pressure. So I'm also going to be following the money on this one. Wake Forest is only getting 36% of public wagers, but... Of the money being thrown on this game, 51% of it sides with the Demon Deacons, which is a 15% difference. Uh, we're going to be following the money here. And also, just all in all, I'm I'm so happy that this is the SEC or SEC. This is the ACC championship game. Instead of a cookie cutter Clemson free pass to the playoffs, it's fun to see see something shake up, see something different, you know. I'm really rooting for Wake Forest too. Not only am I betting them, I really want Wake Forest to win. I don't know why. I just kind of Kind of like them this year. Been fun to follow. Their offense is just electric. So give me Hartman. Give me the Demon Deacons plus three and a half in the championship game. Uh, that is going to round out for tier two. Uh, just to recap, we got Georgia and Bama under 49 and a half. Wake Forest plus three and a half versus Pitt. And then also, oh, wait, yeah, it was just those two. Wow. All right. All right, that, that's on to Tier 1 now, our most confident picks of the week. Now, we're going to stay on the same game for this first one. I'm going Wake Forest at Pitt over 71. Defense will be non-existent in this game. Now, I know I'm one to usually shy away from these super high totals. I don't normally like betting them if they're over 70 or 80 especially, but this over under could be set at like a hundred and I might still consider taking the over. There will be no defense played. These offenses are absolutely ridiculous. It's two top 10 offenses. Then you got wake forest. Who's ranked a hundredth in total defense pit. I'm surprised because Pitt is surprisingly ranked 42nd in total defense. But the last time they played a another top 10 offense like wake forest, they gave up 38 points, and they had 86 combined points in that game. That was Virginia, by the way. And they also gave up 29 points to Duke. So I'll let you do the math on that one, but that that's not very good. Duke is bad. And I usually, like I said, I hate betting these totals, but I see this game being in the range in the realms of 52 to 49. I have Wake Forest winning straight up. I think they win, but I got 52 to 49 Wake Forest winning. Super, super high-scoring game. It's going to be electric, going to be really fun to watch. So give me Wake Forest and Pitt over 71. Now, last but not least, I can't think of a better way to close out a championship card other than a Mountain West title game bet. So we're going to be taking San Diego State minus six against the Utah State Aggies. Utah State, surprising season. They were projected to finish, I think, second to last in the conference, and here they are in the in the title game. So good for them, but 
that that fairy tale story comes to an end here. The Aztecs have established themselves as above and beyond the rest of the pack in the Mountain West, not even just this year, but kind of as a program in general. They've been sending guys to the league. They've become an, an RBU recently. Their defense has been playing tremendous. They're, they haven't been getting as much attention, you know, as maybe the UTSA or Louisiana when they were hot, Houston, SMU, the other group of five teams. But San Diego State's honestly pretty good. They're, they're pretty good. Um, Boise State, I would say, is the only other compatible program to San Diego State in terms of just relevance in, in like the like on a country scale. But they had a really down year, so focus this year is on the Aztecs. San Diego State, they got the number 11 ranked total defense in the country. And I expect them to put an end to Utah State's surprise season, Cinderella, whatever you want to call it. Um, the Aggies, though, are a really, really tough team to pin. Um, they are number one, like in terms of some semantic statistics, they're number one ranked offense in terms of explosiveness, explosiveness, excuse me. But they're also, they rank outside the top 100 in terms of offensive success rate. So it's kind of a, a give or take. And especially in rushing, they have one, they're 106th in rushing success rate, which San Diego State, on the contrary, has the conference's best run defense, giving up only 2.7 yards per carry. So that is a good matchup for the Aztecs defense, bad one for the Aggies offense. And also, speaking of the Aggies offense, their quarterback, two of I, I'm blanking on his name right now, but their quarterback has had his two worst games of the season were against Boise State and Wyoming. Both teams are in the top 20 in terms of their secondary coverage grade. You know who else is in the top 20 for coverage grade? San Diego State. It's a recipe for a bad game for their quarterback. Um, the Aggies also rank 100th in rushing explosiveness allowed on defense, switching over to defense side of things. So yeah, 100th in rushing explosiveness allowed. Meanwhile, San Diego State, uh, ranked 12th in the opposite side of the same stat. So 12th in rushing explosiveness on offense. The Aztecs also run the ball at over 62% of their plays, which is the 16th highest rate in the country. So I feel like the Aggies defense is going to have a really, really hard time stopping the run and stopping the big play runs, especially. And also they're going to have trouble moving the ball. Just, I mean, San Diego State's defense is really good, especially for a Mountain West team. So give me the Aztecs to cover minus six in that championship game and that is going to round out so just to recap everything we have on this card tier three we got cal minus two and a half in the first half against usc we got iowa at michigan under 43 and a half we got bama plus seven we're buying half a point from plus six and a half against georgia that's it for tier three then the tier two we got georgia versus bama under 49 and a half um, i'm also taking wake forest plus three and a half against pitt and that's it for Tier 2. Now for Tier 1, we got Wake Forest at Pitt over 71. And then last but not least, San Diego State minus 6 against the Utah State Aggies. So that is going to round out our card this week. It feels incredibly weird that college football season is ending. It, it just flew by as always. But we got to soak it in. Soak it in. Enjoy it while we still can. I'm going to be absolutely glued to three TVs at once this weekend, trying to soak in everything I can while we still can until bowl season. And that's going to be just, that's going to be great. Love bowl season. We'll have, I'll figure out exactly what I want to do for bowl season. I'll probably just do maybe one or two. I think I'll do a, an early slate episode and then maybe like a late slate or like just a, maybe even a special for the new year six, but 
because this could be considered a special episode. It's conference championship week, but it'll be a long, long eight or nine months waiting for September of 2022. But from a TCU standpoint, I am ready to get the Sonny Dykes era going. I cannot wait to see what we have in store for next season. But this isn't it for Ryan's Ramble. Not, I'm not trying to get sentimental. I'll be back again probably next week, maybe in two weeks, depending on the bowl schedule. But alas, as always, thank you guys so, so much for tuning in. Thank you to all those that have followed throughout the season. This has been so much fun. I, I love doing this. This is one of my favorite things, um, truly, getting to come out here, have this platform, talk about this. I, I love talking sports betting. And even though I'm talking to myself, I feel like I'm talking to you guys most of the time. So it has it's become just a part of my life that I'm used to and I, I excited for what Ryan's Ramble has with college basketball to come in the future as well. So just again, big not to get all cheesy and whatnot, but big thank you to everybody that has tuned in and commented along the way. So yeah, speaking of comments, let me know who you're taking this week, who you're picking, um, what your favorite game, favorite line over under, anything like that. Maybe a big parlay you got. Let me know. Um, I'll, I'll try my best to, to react to it in time before the game start. But yeah, as always, thank you guys for listening and I will see y'all in bowl season.